welcome to the recitation with me on mods. And the intention is for this to be interactive, not just for me to talk. There's a lot to cover. And as I go, please speak up. Don't uh, wait to the end. Uh, so let me share this. and rearrange my windows. So you should see a mod screen now. Um, so I'm gonna start with a history lesson. Or first, yeah, let me start with the history lesson. Um, in the beginning, and let's see, it, um, usually I'm hosting, not presenting for this, just checking this screen share is good and I'm good. Yep, yes, I'm fine. Okay, so um, in the beginning was CAMPY. And this started when we began deploying Fab Labs because there was this combinatorial explosion. We had all these machines and all these things people wanted to make, but the machines had assumptions about what they could make. And we kept tripping over, how do I make this project on that machine? So this was just a little Python script I started writing to convert file formats whenever we tripped over one of these. So that was CAMPY. And then it got picked up in a number of places. This is a Linux CNC link to it. So that was CAMPY. Then um, that begat CADPY, um, where there was a desire for designs that you couldn't easily do in other design tools. So um, this is, and number of links to these. Uh, this is uh, CADPY that was the Python environment, but with a geometry representation. Slightly painful memories. Uh, what's that, Bas? I said slightly painful memories about that thing. <laughs> yeah, just to, none of this was carefully planned, just each of these was evolutionary accretion. So then from there, there were performance limitations, and then to Bas's pain, there was an issue still of this was one big program about how do you get different things to different things. And so that led to um, Kokampi. Kokampi is a name for a district in Ghana where we were working at the time of workshops. And Kokampi split the internals of CADPY into lots of little C programs that could run efficiently. And you could use um, in many different ways. You could use them as little utilities um, um, and so Kokampi, um, there's a user interface, um, but the user interface isn't what you're actually using. The idea is you're calling little C programs, and then there were just Python wrappers around this constellation of C programs. Um, and the most interesting of those C programs was a really efficient geometry solver. This was uh, Matt Keeter's thesis for solving FREP geometries. Um, the issue with Kokampi was you, it was a bunch of little programs you had to compile and install, and there were a lot of dependencies to install it. Um, and so that's pretty much um, uh, obsolete with the one minor exception of um, I still have legacy things that look like um, this, where I'm using uh, Kokampi, uh, the geometry engine, to do PCBs. And that's one of the last things to get ported out of it. But that was Kokampi. How, how is that? I, I know that um, it might come up in the, in, in a, in the later parts, yes. but um, so bigger... Um, Bigger. So one thing that I've noticed is that if you have bigger files, um, the later versions are all going to be in the web running in the browser, which you're going to be talking about after this. But um, there seems to be an issue with bigger files into uh, like doing 3D milling on a bigger file. Um, no, but let's see. Yeah, I'll explain how all of those issues will go away. So. Um, that was Kokampi. Kokampi begat Anemone from Matt Keeter, which took out the geometry engine away from everything else, and it became this beautiful FREP design tool. And 
the current version of that is a library called Lib5 in that fork. But then it begat fab modules. So um, every few years at MIT, I teach a machine building class that drives a refresh. And the this time when I did it, it prompted me to take what was inside Cocompi and port it to JavaScript. So um, in fab modules, here's all the routines that were in compiled C programs in Cocompi now in JavaScript. And then in a browser, you can pick an input format and um, uh, um, a machine and a process. Um, and then let's say we wanted to mill it and make a PCB and then um, here we made our PCB. So that was fab modules. Um, then um, we go to GitHub fab modules. Um, Fiori Basili took what I had done, which, um, uh, and refactored it to make the code packaged more neatly, um, and then made this GitHub project, um, and then that served at fab modules. And so that's stable, it's in use. I'm not doing any future work on it, but that's how fab modules came. Then the issue with fab modules is you can do these workflows, but what's actually happening is all of these routines and you can't see them and you can't easily change them. And so I was tripping over, we had CAD tools to design things. We had CAM tools to um, plan paths. We had machine control where you do things like plan acceleration and we had motion control where you actually talk to individual degrees of freedom. And each of them were still separate steps. And um, as we got closer and closer in merging machines to go um, from design all the way through to motors, I wanted to be able to merge them. And so every year I had been tracking performance of browsers. And then, um, let's see, I guess it's approaching two years ago, I started doing design studies and that grew into mods. Um, so mods, the goal is to be able to rapidly compose workflows and collaborate on workflows that span end to end from CAD CAM machine control and motion control. And MODS is based on um, uh, 10 or so um, things that all, here, I'm just check, confirming, yeah, recording is working, um, that all fall under um, the umbrella of HTML5. So much money rests on what browsers can do. There's a series of extensions that include the computing performance, the real-time messaging, handling large amounts of memory, handling large amounts of um, data, Along the way, the mods development broke both Chrome and Firefox multiple times, and the developers have been great about dealing with these things that break it um, and fixing it. So it's involved a close collaboration with both Google and Mozilla. Um, so here we are in mods. Um, mods, is there isn't much to it. It's a lightweight wrapper. It's really just a container for modules. So um, I'll right-click or in a Mac, you can hold down two fingers or in a tablet, a long press. Um, and there are modules. There's lots of modules. Um, and so let me start with um, a simple math one. So this is a benchmark module. I'll click this. And I just calculated pi. And the speed was about a gigaflop. Um, now I'm going to load a program, which is a group of modules. And here's one for benchmarking. And now I'm going to do this again. And I got slightly slower, but about the same result four times. And so right now I'm running on a four core computer that has about a gigaflop speed. And on this computer, this is about the speed of compiled C code. So this is the first really surprising, interesting thing. So here's, in this module, um, each of the modules you can edit externally or you can edit in the module. So if I open it up, um, this lets me reload it 
if I'm editing externally. This let me load from a local file. Um, I can edit, update, update, close. I can save it. Um, so you can edit the modules in the modules and the programs in the program. So let's look at this module. Um, the, again, what this one does is uh, calculate a benchmark. So the module starts with what's called a closure that um, uh, wraps everything. So what happens in here doesn't affect um, other modules. It has an object that's global within the module. Um, here's the name, uh, benchmark. So um, uh, recitation demo benchmark. So if I do that, now, now I've renamed the module. Um, then um, there's an initialization. And this is crucial later when I show you how to do configuration. There are inputs that events that come in and there's what, what it's supposed to do with the event. So this module, if it gets a start event in, it calculates the benchmark. Um, there are outputs and right now this module doesn't make an output. There's an interface. This is how it presents what it does. And this is a div, which is a little HTML element. And what goes in here is anything HTML understands. So um, you can paste um, anything that goes into um, a web page in here. And so we have a, a text box, we have a button, we have some text. This is a little bit of um, HTML. Uh, sorry, one, one note on the, on the editing, one thing that I like very much, thank you for that, is um, the fact that you can, you can open two windows. You can open the pop-up window, in an, in an, in a, it opens in separate windows. You can drag the window to the side, yep. mount it to one half of your view, and then have the, the program on the other half of your view. And as soon as you hit update, it will actually update in the program. You can see what's happening. Absolutely, although I should say, when I'm doing much of this, what I do is I... I serve mods locally. So um, when you're in mods, it, um, option view, view files shows you all the files. Um, view project takes you to the project. Um, uh, if you have a, a local copy of the mods repo and you start up a local web server, like with Node, um, usually what I do is when I'm developing, I run a local copy. And then what this button does is it reloads from wherever the module came from. And that, then I use an external editor that's a more powerful editor. Um, so going on, there's local functions. And this part was a bit non-trivial. Um, web workers are a crucial part of HTML5 that lets a web page start threads that operate separate from the main browser thread. So the main thread gives you your user interface but we're gonna do things that are very compute bound or IO bound. And so um, those go in separate threads and that's called a worker. And so here's a worker and what it does is it calculates pi. So here's the math to calculate pi. Then here's a funny construction. Um, this takes the worker, it puts it in a blob, it makes a URL and then spawns the worker. And that funny incantation, what it's doing is triggering just-in-time compilation. If you don't do this right, the JavaScript is interpreted. Um, but by calling it this way, um, the, it actually gets compiled on the fly. And the code ends up running um, pretty much exactly at the speed of carefully compiled C code. So this funny incantation spawns a thread and compiles a worker. And you do that for tasks that you don't want to load the main browser. And then uh, the worker reports back the result and then this updates the user interface. And then the last part here is all of this um, gets returned from the module to the mods framework. When you add a module, this is how the module um, tells the framework um, all of its parts. And there's something sort of recursive that the reason I can um, have open a module in a module is each module contains as part of itself its own description. Okay, so that's a module. Then um, 
if we do something like here's a workflow um so this is like what i showed you in um fab modules but now so i just made this toolpath um each of these modules does a task but now instead of being invisible to the user they're brought forward so you can see them um so this one reads a png and it splits it into two streams one is just the pixels and one is the metadata about the resolution and size um, this is a module that just simply lets you define defaults um, this one choreographs a workflow to mill in 2d this thresholds um, this is a really interesting one this one calculates the euclidean distance of each pixel to the boundary so it gives you a map of how far the exterior is from the edges which is a really interesting algorithm um, this one uses the distance to offset for a tool this one finds the edges this one orients the edges um, this one turns it from a raster to a vector. Then the vectors come here and get assembled into the toolpath. Um, this one, um, uh, see, this one opens a, the 3D viewer. Then this one um, formats it for a machine. And then this one um, sends it to the machine. And so each of the steps now is built into, um, it's all running on the browser. The server is just shipping these modules off. But if you wanted to use the workflow with a different machine or a different interface or a different file format, you can change the workflow just by changing one of the modules. So for example, uh, the Roland one, um, uh, Let's see, here's the Roland one. The, the heart of it is it takes in a toolpath, which is geometry, and then it's gonna put out a file. And it doesn't need to spawn a worker. So it has a local function, but it doesn't move it to a separate thread because it's not compute bound. But here's the little bit of stuff for the Roland machine that takes the geometry in and puts out the file format. So if we wanna, let's debug that one. So here's a module that lets you look at objects. So if we go to objects, here's an object viewer. And so if I take, first of all, um, the toolpath coming into here and I calculate it again. So now if we come here, um, this is just pure geometry. Um, this is the path that we wanna make. Um, then if I connect it to here and I run it again, um, what comes out of this module is this is now formatted for the Roland machine. This is its language RML, which is a variant of HP GL language. Now you can edit the modules in the modules and the programs in the programs. And so let's say in your lab, um, uh, Oh, and let's see, a, a new thing I added that was non-trivial is uh, this is the path to the machine. And by the way, boss, I need, I'll, I'll update these so it, it doesn't include dev in the path for Windows. But let's say you're on dev LP2, not dev LP0. Um, when you edit the module, um, uh, oh, let's see, this, right, uh, this is an older version. Um, uh, so, uh, sorry, th th there's a couple tweaks that I did after this that I'll update. But what you can do is if you edit the module, um, the module, um, you can edit the module with what you want the configuration to be. Um, you can, uh, um, update. So here we're setting the demo PCB defaults. Um, then what you can do is um, you can save a module locally. So you have a local version of the module and that when you load a module, you can open the module locally. Um, 
But what you can do is you can either save a local program, so I'll call that PCB, or you can save a local page, and we'll call that PCB. Um, so when you open a local program, if we go to my desktop, um, uh, so I just loaded the program that I saved, but this has all of my settings for my lab. And then the more interesting thing you can do is you can actually just go right to the file system. And if you go to the, let's see, I'm not sharing that window right now, but if I go to, let's see, um, I think I should be able to go to home. So if I browse to the file system, and I come here, I'm not actually running mods. Uh, mods was actually put right into the web page, and you just open the web page, and, and then the workflow is running. Of course, there's no server anymore, so you can't load things from the server, but it lets you just build a standalone web page with the whole workflow. Okay. Now, uh, yeah. Just a quick question, Neil. Um, you were mentioning that you're uh, able to work with Chrome and Firefox to make this work. Do you have any uh, experience from yourself or other users, uh, whether this works fine on Safari or whether there are major issues to watch out for? Uh, you'll have to tell me. All of the development is done in Chrome or Firefox. Um, I have no idea about Safari. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's all completely standard HTML standards, so it should be okay, but um, the development is done in Chrome or Firefox. Um, I do know uh, about half of the development is done on tablets. It works just fine on tablets. Now, we get to this device, and right now it says cannot open. And that's because um, uh, there are some things browsers can't do for security. This is a moving target. Eventually, this won't be needed. But um, for security, browsers can't yet in a standard way. There's exceptions, but in a standard way, talk to hardware. And so um, this is a local server that you run in Node. And it has a simple command line. It's just um, you start it up, you list an address that's allowed to talk to it. It's a simple security check. Not very secure, but a simple security check because you could spoof it. And then a server port. And so right now, I can't talk to anything. But if I come over here, um, in another window, I started up that server in Node. Now I can open to it. Now this has open, and now this will talk out through that um, and let me talk to the machine for the local interface. And so there's a couple just simple servers. One talks to raw devices, one talks to serial devices, one talks to printer devices. And that's how we get some mods out. Now one of the important things is the performance. So here's a, um, there's a couple modules specifically for these servers. And so this is an interesting one. This is an echo mod. Um, then let me take, um, this is a module that does string variables. And so right now, I um, let me start up the echo server. So I'm starting up a little local server. Um, uh, this one, and all this one does is echo back what you did. And so, um, if I send a character to it, it goes out and then back again. Um, but now, watch this. I'm going to um, this I'm going to connect the output back to the input. So now, when I send a character a message out, what's happening right now is it's going out to the echo server. It gets echoed back from the echo server. It comes out this port and goes back in this port. And if you look down here, this number is blinking. And it's blinking around um, 0, um, 1, and 2. So it's about a millisecond. And what that means is it takes about a millisecond to get from mods um, out through an external event to a local server and get back from the server back in again. So the message passing is happening on millisecond timescales, which is um, very good uh, real-time performance. Tried that already with um, FTDI serial cable. Just jumpered out the transmit and receive. Yeah, have you're saying did I? 
Yeah, has it already been done or? No, you're going to do that and tell me what you get. Okay, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, now, something like this um, shows you the action. This isn't just a user interface. This is the reality. This is how this is implemented. Mods is just a container for it. Um, you can use this as the interface, but it doesn't need to be the interface. So um, here are modules that do various UI things, like a bar graph and sliders and labels. Um, but these are two interesting ones. I'm going to add that one, and I'm going to add um, this one. Um, each, I added these two modules, but each of these opened a tab. So the button window module opened a tab with buttons. And the text window opened a tab with text. So if I connect button one to text two, if I come to the button window and I push button one, the message just appeared in the text window in text two. So it's very easy for modules to have their own windows. Um, and so you can build modules that build user interfaces, like for beginners or special purposes. And this is what the user sees, um, but this is how it's actually implemented. So this is designed to build um, user interface layers on top of it. This doesn't have to be the user interface. Um, then an interesting thing emerging is if you look in these workflow programs, um, you'll see some things called connect. And this connect came out of the collaboration with SolidWorks. Um, traditionally in a CAD tool, you either export a file or there's a driver from the CAD tool. Um, both SolidWorks and XDesign now support a thing they've called FabConnect. And it's a web socket into mods. So SolidWorks is now calling serving mods.solidworks, um, which is a very lightweight fork. If we go back to mods, um, uh, there are a few branches. Uh, one is the one I use in development. I'll talk about Jake in a minute. Um, then there's this SolidWorks branch. And what Fab Connect does is when you're in SolidWorks or XDesign, you can pick an object and pick geometry. And then in, instead of exporting a file or having a driver in SolidWorks, it puts the geometry through a WebSocket that lets you communicate uh, between web pages. And then it puts the geometry into the Fab Connect module and then goes through a mods workflow. And so the idea is if you wanted to go, let's say in machine building week, you make a great new machine, and then you want to get from SolidWorks to your machine, you don't need to, all you need to do is go in through one of these Fab Connect modules, and then you build a mods workflow, and whatever you can talk to then extends what you can do in SolidWorks. This is really awesome, Neil. Um, one question. Um, if you wanted to sort of use slash abuse certain features of, of packages like SolidWorks for your own purposes, is there also a way back in uh, so that you could uh, sort of WebSocket connect to SolidWorks and it would be serving yeah, something? Um, yeah, yeah, I understand the question. Um, pose that as a question in the issue tracker. Um, and I'll share it, or just send it to me as an email question. And I'll to the, there's a lead developer who is part of that recitation we did, Sean. I'll forward it to him. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay. Um, okay, so that now what we're up to is uh, um, one of the big things I've been working on um, is the following. Uh, let's see, if we go to um, in the machine building, um, Jake start, uh, Jake's example started from Jens's example. And then this is a little bit of a massive grasshopper program. And so you need grasshopper and rhino 
to generate these axes. Um, and so one of the things I've been working on in this cycle of the machine building class is bringing um, the functional representation geometry solver um, into mods to make a machine generator. And so this is just coming to life. Um, um, and this is work I've been doing with um, a, a lead student, Amira Abdulrahman. So um, in these sample programs, um, there's 2D and 3D. So here's a 2D version. So something that's a little bit different, Rhino Grasshopper is a graph, but it's not a program. The graph describes the operation, but it doesn't run in real time. This is a real time program. So events are getting passed in real time. So um, if I uh, click this, um, uh, it, it, it starts a process. It um, outputs a circle. And then all the way over here, we made this smiley face or this alien face. And um, this is a tapering transform. Um, sorry, um, 2.5. So if we go through this one, uh, this makes a circle. Um, then what this one is doing is the, the um, uh, here, I'll, I'll connect this to there so you can see the shape is a functional representation. This is one of these distance fields. So it, if you look at it, you can see it's negative inside, it's positive inside, negative outside, magnitude is distance. Um, this outputs the variables from the user interface, so x, y, and radius. And then this is a object constructor. So this is how you do parametric re relationships. This is one of the eyes. And I want to position the eye relative to the radius. And so this lets me construct an expression that comes in through here um, and makes the settings. So um, if I change the radius here and you look here, you'll see that number changes. Um, or if I change the formula here, um, uh, that number will change. And so the way you make parametric relationships is you use these constructors to uh, make expressions with the variables. So um, um, here is um, one of the eyes. Then this reflects to make the other eye. Um, I then subtract the eyes from the face. Then I take the original circuit circle and I scale it for the outside of the mouth, the inside of the mouth. I subtract them and then I slice them to get the bottom part of the mouth. And then I taper it. And then this is a 2D viewer. And so this is a um, 2D geometry. Then this is a 3D viewer. Um, and so this is the beautiful thing um, Amira's, uh has been writing. So let's do that. And then if we, actually, let's just make this like this. Um, so now if we come here, um, here's a 3D face. And um, this is using an interesting module. Um, this one um, inflates. And what it's doing is it's using the distance field as a height map. So it's using the distance field to turn a 2D object into a sculpted 3D object. And it's just one of many different, you can revolve and extrude in lots of different transforms. That just looks slightly scary. Slightly scary, I agree, a little creepy. And so a, a, a key thing I added is this generates involute gears, this generates um, the rack. Um, pressure angle, like if I make this extreme, this, um, uh, if you read about involute gears, um, a smaller pressure angle is um, more tangential and smoother. A bigger pressure angle transfers larger forces. Um, so this is a gear designer that's part of um, the uh, machine generator to be. Just to show an example on uh, how to extend this is, um, so if I want to have one input, uh, number input, which changes the pressure, both pressure angles in one go. Um, sorry, if you wanted, so um, uh, 
if we take the gear generator, um, if you look at its code, what the input does is um, mod is the local globe is the global object within the module, and then um, the user interface defines these objects. And here's the involute math, and then the initialization sets their initial value. Um, then each of these is one of the properties you'd want to set. Um, the input event is you pass an object to this, and if the object matches a name, it changes that one. So you, you, you just name the objects coming in, and then you can change any of these. Is that the question? OK, so you just add a, um, a string input. Uh, and then well, here, let, let me do it right now. Um, also, one of the, um, here, let's, let's make this 37. One of the not, slightly non-trivial things I did last week was um, when you edit the module, you'll see this 37 here. Um, the, the environment scrapes the user. When you save the module or edit the module, the, the environment scrapes the user interface um, was, was a slightly non-trivial step. But, um, it does make it more intuitive to use. It, I mean, yeah, it makes it so you don't have to edit the initialization directly. Um, so all you need to do is construct an object. So if, if you take the object, um, this constructor, and then you had a formula where you wanted to set the pressure angle or the number of teeth, you know, th this one takes inputs in and formats it out. Or you, there's another module that, um, uh, this one is just one where you make buttons to set objects. You just simply need to make outputs that match the inputs. Yeah, this is looking for something called module and teeth, and then um, set those in, and then it'll come out. Yeah. Okay. So you you the set object you 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 change variable one name to um, yeah. um, yeah. um, uh, right. angle, and then uh, connect yeah. the, to to both the uh, input gear and input rack option. Okay. Yeah, and again, that, that's exactly, if you go back to um, th this example, um, look at this one. Um, uh, if you look at the circle, one of the initializations is mod.radius. And if you look here, um, it's taking input zero radius. And then down here, I'm outputting, uh, I'm outputting an object called radius. And here's the value. And when radius comes in here, it uses that to index its internal data structure. So this word has to match um, whatever it's called here. Okay? Yep. Yep. Okay, but where this gets really interesting is, and this was a surprise. So um, I'm gonna make this object. And so here's, um, let's zoom in. This is a, um, Taurus merged with a lattice. Here, I'll make an open cell lattice. Um, we'll make a closed cell. I'll vary um, the, the skinning. And then this viewer lets you do things like this is x-raying it so you can see the see all the way through it. Um, this is the height. This is the normal direction. Uh, this is lighting it. This is a specular map. And so what Amir has done a really beautiful job of, and it's kind of surprising, is um, she, <laughs> Matt Keeter spent a lot of time beautifully solving functional representation. And, and the, the description is, overload, interval arithmetic, recurse on an octree, parse equation graphs, all this really beautiful stuff. What Amir is doing is none of that. What she's doing is GPUs have gotten really fast, but she's merged the evaluation with the renderer. And so if we look at what's going into here, um, if we take the object viewer here, um, this is the formula for what we're looking at. And 
every time I do a change here, um, this module gets the formula. And what she does is she actually writes a program for the GPU shader. She compiles the GPU shader and the GPU shader both evaluates the geometry and does the render. And so the ability to like to go from x-raying it to you know height, all of these comes because the rendering and the solving are being done at the same time. And um, every time you change something, it actually compiles a whole new uh, GPU program. And I've been really surprised at just how good the performance of that is um, to be able to implement this geometry engine. Also, one of the neat things is there isn't like a window for the design. You can put 2D or 3D viewers wherever you want them. Like, um, let's add for the FREP. So for the FREP part, I'm about two thirds done importing. So here are the CST. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll do a demo of another one. But let me take, um, this is the 2D viewer. Um, and so if we put this into there and output it, and so at the same time, we're seeing um, uh, uh, closed cell, open cell, let's make it a little bit thicker. Um, uh, we're, we're doing this 2D viewing and the 3D viewing. You can put the viewers wherever you want them. So this could, for example, be cut files uh, arranged for fabrication. Um, and so you can do already things like, um, let's take a, um, um, a torus and a um, pyramid. And then um, because it's F-reps, now you get to do things like you get to morph between them. And so let's let's center let's center them on top of each other so it doesn't translate. Um, and then let's do the GPU viewer. Um, so let's make this one. Um, uh, so there's the torus, there's the pyramid, um, uh, but now I can um, go anywhere between them. So here, oh, that's interesting. It, um, uh, so here's the torus starting, here's the pyramid starting to morph into a torus, or here's the um, let's go slightly more, um, uh, Taurus starting to morph into a pyramid. So you can get really interesting shapes very quickly by getting shapes in between other shapes. Um, and then another interesting thing is if we, um, uh, if, let, let's say we look at this, um, here's the gears and let's say, let's make a hundred teeth. Um, if you look at the um, object that we're rendering, um, the FREP doesn't have a hundred teeth. The, the magic here, um, let me see if I can find it, is this percent sign that because of the FREP, you can do modulo math. So what it does is there's only one teeth, but it keeps reevaluating the teeth in this case, in radial coordinates. So you can use modulo math to do neat things like replicate. Um, and so like, for example, here's a hundred teeth and then I can, um, let's do a, um, uh, repeat that. Um, let's see the, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. Um, I wanted to take uh, the gear, sorry, through here. So if I do that, um, this is a hundred teeth and then I've re repeated that 10 times and then let's do, um, let's repeat that in the Y direction now. 
And so I have this array of hundred teeth gear, and now you'll barely see the gear teeth. Um, but it's not very expensive because you can do modulo math um, to, to repeat the evaluation. Um, so that's CAD. Um, there's a few huge things missing uh, that are coming soon. So if we go back to um, mods, uh, there's a long to do I keep of which there's short notes here, but right, I, I'm about to push uh, pan and zoom. So right now you can pan and zoom with the browser controls, but there's um, there's a lower level CSS panning and zooming control. So I'm going to add crucially panning and zooming and that's almost done. And then the biggest thing missing right now to come is you can't select drag cut copy groups of graphs and that's going to be not too hard to add. And then a non-trivial thing to come is nesting. So you put a whole graph in a module so you can nest the modules. That's going to be a bit more. Um, pan and zoom is like in the next couple days um, subgraphs should be in the next week or so. So those are crucial things you'll need that are missing. So now we come then to maybe one of the most interesting things, which is um, uh, the real-time part. So if, let's see, let, yeah, this is where I want to before, be. Before we run into the real-time yes. part, I, you were saying things that are missing. Um, I noticed that if I look around the existing programs, there's nothing doing 3D cutting yet. Oh, or did I miss it? Oh, that's a no. That that's a huge, straightforward uh, missing thing, which is three-axis rough and finish cuts. Um, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I just need. Um, I uh, eventually I want to include things like trichoidal toolpaths, but the old fab modules rough and finish cuts. That's just a few more afternoons for me to do. Likewise. Um, uh, I think uh, I think uh, uh, um, Jens's bark beetle thingy magic uh, grasshopper. Uh, yep. He does trochoidal cutting, mm -hmm. so it'll no, be an interesting one not, to port. Yeah, it's not heroically difficult. The math is straightforward. Um, uh, it, it's just been a slightly lower prior, priority, but it, uh, it, it's a few afternoon job to do that port. That's absolutely going to come. Um, and yeah, that leads to a final thing I'll get to after I get to controls. So if we look at um, in the machine building class, um, let me, yeah. So Jake, one of my current students, um, uh, let me find, there's a, I, uh, uh, I thought that, let me take a minute to find this video because it's very relevant. Um, okay, here's what I wanted. So, um, uh, so Steve Reich has a piece called Music for Pieces of Wood. And so Jake took that as a test. And let's see, does, can you hear the audio? Yeah, we can. Okay. Um, so what he's doing is each of the motor controllers is a network node. Um, this is then a router. And so there's no interpreter or file format in the machine. They're just network nodes. Uh, but the one of the key things is this is all being run from mods, which we'll show in a second. And so here's a mods graph and it's running in real time and it's shipping the packets out to the motors um, that are playing the piece of music. And right now he's working on acceleration profiles. And so the real-time performance is good enough that you can actually implement the, the motion control in the mods graphs and so that the physical degrees of freedom are just network nodes without any format or interpretation at all. And so that's one of the big goals of the mods project. Um, so in mods, so if we look through, these are for dealing with characters. This is the connect. These are format conversion. Then there are these modules that um, 
delay events, um, uh, generate events, um, pause events, um, and this this one is a sequencer that generates sequences of events to do um, real time things. Um, uh, saving files. This is the whole FREP section with all of these geometries. Um, these are all kinds of image processing math. Um, you can take video in um, uh, iterating. Uh, so th this one steps and delays for sequential uh, operations. Um, uh, this is something I'm adding to have modules that are libraries. So you can have a module that's a library of other objects uh, doing math. This one is incomplete, um, about halfway through a mesh slicer. Um, these, are, these are really interesting ones um, for research that we're doing. Th this is a module that creates module, this deletes modules, and this is move modules. So these are modules that modify modules. Then the objects, these are for various processes, formats, sockets. Um, these are toolpath related ones and the user interface ones. Um, so as I mentioned, I mentioned go ahead. Uh, can I ask uh, two things? One I'd be interested in is, um, can you talk just very briefly about um, inspirational uh, other like flow-based environments that, that you may have looked at in, in doing this? I, I'm thinking of like Max MSP or maybe yeah. even you and and also um, what's a good source of, of sort of the research behind flow based programming because it's something that we're also working on but we're having a hard time finding good literature that talks about how these systems work and what kind of paradigms yeah. they actually uh, basically encode in the stuff that you are creating with them yeah so two two or three comments on that so there are about 10 data flow environments Simulink, LabVIEW, um, MaxPD, dot, dot, dot. Um, mods didn't start as ambitious as what I just covered, but what's emerged, and the browser vendors I work with have been surprised, is HTML5, now I can recite, has about 10 things. One is web workers to spawn threads. One is the efficient event passing. One is the just-in-time compilation. Um, one I'm using a lot of is typed arrays that let you manage large blocks of memory. So typed arrays, so like that CAM workflow use typed arrays to take gigabyte blocks of memory and manage them efficiently. Um, one is file readers that let you bring in um, large chunks of data. One is web sockets to do the messaging. Um, when you put all of those, uh, you know, one is the um, GPU and the GL interfaces. When you put those all together, the surprising thing is it gives you all the functionality of all those other environments. Um, so, uh, oh, let's see. I don't know if I did, I, I have a video module, you know, an afternoon project is to add the audio module um, without much effort because of the zillions of dollars invested in web browsers you know, mods itself is a pretty tiny program. The, the mods, so mods itself is here and um, uh, uh, let's see, mods, mods is 60K. So 60K is this wrapper environment and all the rest is the functionality now in a browser. But it, it sort of subsumes all of these different skills of all of these different environments without much trouble. Um, so then to your comment, the, the data flow literature is not great. A lot of it's old, a lot of it's academic. There's kind of a gap between the research literature and a lot of just simple practice. And so um, th this has less to do with the research literature on data flow and more just the maturation of all of these different standards in HTML5. Um, but I've been surprised at how much it's sort of, without much effort, it's kind of encompassed the range of all of these other data flow environments. Cool, thanks. Yeah. Now, looking ahead, um, so by the end of this machine cycle, um, I expect to be able to have the machine generator to the path planning 
um, to the motion control, things like acceleration profiles to the, um, to the machine control, to the motion control actually talking to the motors. Um, uh, MODS is, all of this is, is because it's a research tool. It comes out of what we need in my lab to do the work in my lab. Um, so we keep breaking things and adding things. It's not carefully curated. Um, so one straightforward question is, um, MODS is right now run off a GitLab, uh, a CBA GitLab. Um, Fab modules forked and became a GitHub project. I initially thought MODS would do something similar and there'd be a central MODS project somewhere. Um, instead, what's beginning to emerge is MODS is this fairly lightweight wrapper and uh, SolidWorks is serving mod SolidWorks. And um, I was just visiting ShopBot and they're likely to build it into Fabmo and build it into ShopMod machines. And it's not clear you need a central mod repository versus um, with a few more sessions, it, I'll, I'll finish implementing so you can collect uh, modules and cut and paste them and the other, yeah, another one of the to-do things is mods doesn't yet separate, uh, um, support cross-origin. So you can pull in modules from a server other than the server serving mods. Um, but once those things are done, there could be an ecosystem where you serve mods, modules, and programs wherever you want, rather than having a, um, a central place to curate them. Um, so that's still evolving, but I like the direction of not the authoritative one, but it's it's a fairly lightweight wrapper um, where these can be shared wherever. And uh, one of the other amusing things is it wasn't originally designed for this, um, but um, uh, there's some refactoring that we're going to do a little further out. Um, Alan uh, took the how to make at MIT, and what he ended up doing was um, skinning mods. And so like this is an AR environment he built. And in this AR environment, um, and this is a demo of it, it's actually mods. And so I, had, I didn't design it to do this, but he skinned uh, mods for a different interface. Um, and so we'll do some refactoring to make that kind of skinning easier. Um, so we're almost out of time. That's mods. Um, uh, once again, in the to-do, very quickly, there'll be panning, zooming, and then group uh, cutting. Those are urgent. A little further is nesting. Um, and then a question, and, and then we'll be using this to build this whole end-to-end -end machine workflow. And then a question to come is, is to what extent should there be a forked version of mods that's community supported? Should there be a central repository? Or does it say as kind of an ecosystem distributed project? So the, the scary sort of uh, D question, if I may ask, um, documentation, um, tutorial, a beginner's guide, like a mods for dummies kind of thing to ease people into that, especially students that haven't really worked with maybe, you know, data flow, data, uh, flow programming? Yep. So uh, naturally, none of that will come from me. Um, but a but it, it, it's for two reasons. One is it's not uh, as good a use of my limited time for this. But more than that, I'm not good at it because I, I already know it. Um, but you know, so one way to do it again is to centralize it somewhere. One way to do that would just be the the Fab Cloud Pub project. Um, has the document has the project section and the documentation section, and one thing to do would just be to start a uh, pub documentation mod section to start including some mods documentation there. Well, it, it sounds to me almost like you're doing pretty much everything with the mod. So, wouldn't documentation also be something that a mod does, or maybe every little mod or module, you know, it, it's it's already self-discoverable anyway. Would it be 
difficult to add something to it that says, oh, you're asking me to explain myself. Here I go. Here's a little, you know, text blurb, or here's even a little, I don't know, cut from Neil's videos uh, where he talks about me. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting, I'm thinking. Um, uh, I'll certainly add that as a to-do question. Um, you, that's actually a very interesting answer. So the spirit would be, the, so to step back, I, I don't know if Fiori is on, but um, F Mods violates core tenets of Fiori's universe, which is um, it, it, it groups um, rather than segregates. So each module is this bundle of a user interface and an event and a worker, all this whole little knot of stuff, rather than having those be decomposable. But but that's the whole point is the locality that um, all, all the module need is the module and all the program needs is the modules and the server doesn't do anything. And, and if you want to extend it, everything is there. So I think you're right, actually, the more I think about it, that the spirit would be um, adding something for modules to document themselves. The, I, I'm just thinking as we're talking, um, the modules already have little descriptions. And so like scraping their own descriptions to have documentation built into it. That's a great question. Yeah, retract. Uh, can I make let, let me retract what I said. Let me think about the right way to architect that. But the whole point is to make it scalable by to have each module and each program carry its own information. One thing that I, that I really enjoyed about uh, working with Max MSP was that it actually, whenever you ask for documentation about a particular patch, it would simply open up a tiny little demo application of itself where you could see it running and you could see it in its ecosystem, you know, with, with some sample data provided to it, some sample output created, so you understand how it connects to the rest. I thought that was really useful. Yeah, no, that's a good comment. And let me just keep repeating Mods is a lightweight wrapper. All it does is patch the modules together, but there is no execution environment. It's, it's, it's just the web context. Mod, mods is just a wrapper to patch the modules together. Yeah, Paul? Yeah. And yes, uh, I was wondering if I can make a suggestion. Box. It's really yeah. easy to look at the code. Uh, module, it would be very helpful to a beginner like myself if there was uh, some comment uh, maybe described as an about section so I have what the module would be and then maybe I'd have a better uh, viewpoint of experimenting with it. Well, well first of all, two things, Paul. The, uh, we're getting bad dropouts from you, but I think I understand. Um, uh, I, I think you're asking a variant of Jan's question, which is, um, the modules are what they are, and they're not written to be tutorial. Um, Jan's question was about building in a little bit of uh, documentation that could reside in the modules to help them explain themselves. Again, the, uh, we backed into this generality. This has been driven by the functionality to actually make them work. You know, we're now at a point to start to catch up how you help convey what they do. Um, Thinking on that, the um, the uh, the way you'd be because you can now open server programs, which is almost like you know open a library from a central repository. If you could somehow add like or have a more global repository like the Arduino environment, where it 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 became really convenient, where you can you know search in the library, see which libraries are installed, um, or you know. Uh, right. So if you look at web. Um, if, if you go to mods, for both modules and programs, there's an option that doesn't work, which is remote as opposed to server. So let me just say those words carefully. Um, local is from your own computer. And so you can edit modules on your computer and open programs on the computer locally, where local is whatever is available to your file system. Server is where mods is being served by. But to be clear, if you pull the mods repo, and you install npm install http server minus g, just the standard node server, and then you start a local web server. A lot of when I'm developing mods, I run with a local copy of the repo 
and a local web server, and so the server is local. But what right now doesn't work is in, in the queue is open remote is exactly that, to, to point to another place that's not where mods is coming from, and it's not local, but another place where you're pulling programs or modules from. That, that, and that option right now says it's not there yet, but that's the intention of the open remote. Uh, you're muted. Wrong program selected in the space bar. Um, so that will be a great place to then have that point to either a Fab Academy or a, um, a MIT server where it's sort of, sort of a curated environment. These are known good modules and then you can point to anywhere where it's... Well, so one of the questions then to pose to all of you, one version of this is like Fiori did to, to take this as a proof of principle, but it's not designed to be architected as a community maintained project and fork into a community maintained project. But one version would be, you don't need that for the central mods, but you need it for the modules. I think instead, and I think I like this, is um, it'll be an ecosystem. Like, you know, SolidWorks is serving modules related to SolidWorks and ShopBot will serve modules related to ShopBot. And, and there could be, you know, an, an ecosystem of where these live rather than having to take on the task of centralizing them. Um, I think that's a, a question to explore, but I'm, I'm kind of, I used to think it ne we needed a central repository. You know, now there could be, you know, maybe a lightweight index, but a distributed network of these. Sounds more like the sort of like a, the, the good old hyperlink principle where people are keeping stuff all over the web and, and are linking, just linking to it, right? Rather than trying to get everything into one server. Yeah, at, at sort of two levels down. In terms of plumbing, that's how it works. And just spiritually, it's, yeah, it's hyperlinking the documents that they don't have to all live in the same place. I agree with those don't have to have to live all in the same place, but it will be good to have them, you know, um, uh, sort of have a, have a, have a, because we're, we're at that point already at the high, at the hyperlinks where, you know, you can't find where the hyperlink, well, you can't find yeah. the hyperlinks itself. So, so, yeah, the, the, the cost of the question is, I'm going to do all the to-dos I said to finish the functionality. I'm going to do nothing on that. that. That's a question for the community, that kind of curation. Okay. So that's mods. Um, it, it's already usable for slightly past 2D, but by the, by the time of the final project push, I should, all the to-dos I said, I should be done by the time of the final project push. And yeah. it, it's actually within striking distance of you could do almost all of Fab Academy just in mods. I, I do have one question though to maybe i don't know if it's on your on your to-do list already but i noticed that if you make a mistake that breaks the rendering of the unit you can't update it anymore um yeah i i almost fixed that um i i catch some of those um and i i know that and uh, um I, I i need to trap a couple error conditions that i'm not trapping cool okay um so happy modzing and in particular a lot of the questions you're asking go beyond what i will end up doing they're really questions for all of you about how this evolves but it's a long way from cam py <laughs> okay that's mods uh, see you in class on wednesday bye bye, bye, -bye. thank you bye bye, -bye. bye, -bye.